Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. Please, before I go any further, let's get the couple people that are out there to let me know, can you hear me? Are you able to hear what I'm saying? Just give me the thumbs up because it's been a rough audio week for me. All right, I'm going to guess that we're okay audio-wise. Let me just first off say uh, I tried to upgrade my studio and um, I do have some really, really awesome gear uh, that I'm trying to incorporate. The problem is, is that the software on my computer and the actual device, uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic Rode, uh, uh, Rodecaster Pro 2 just released. Um, amazing. It's going to allow me to do some really cool stuff, I hope. Um, but right now it's just a big old huge doorstop, um, because I can't get it to work. And last night I tried to go live on, uh, uh, status quo. Jordan had asked me to sit in for him and <laughs> lo and behold, it was even worse then. Cause I couldn't even get my camera to recognize me. So here we are, we're going to do the live stream today that we were going to do Wednesday when this got screwed up the first time, because this is such an important subject that we're going to talk about. Now, unfortunately, the way that Twitter operates, I lost some of the cool shit that I was going to try to share with you guys. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you this, uh, which is basically a 21st century bill of rights. And this is brought to us by Harvey K. Uh, in our most recent, uh, I guess you'd call it uh, macro and cheese episode, he and Alan Minsky joined us and um, we discussed this and it's really, really powerful. I just want to quickly get into this. He, he goes over this 21st century bill of rights. He says the right to a useful job that pays a living wage, uh, the right to a voice in the workplace through a union and collective bargaining the right to comprehensive quality health care, the right to complete cost-free public education and access to broadband internet, the right to decent, safe, and affordable housing, the right to a clean environment and a healthy planet, the right to a meaningful endowment of resources at birth and a secure retirement, the right to sound banking and financial services, the right to an equitable and economically fair justice system and the right to recreation and participation in civic and democratic life. Now, let me just explain to you why this matters. Okay. Warren Mosler, who most of you know, um, is very, very good friend of mine. Uh, someone who I respect very, very deeply, but Warren came back to Harvey and basically told uh, Harvey, he was like, what, did you, what if you guys instead, you know, I'm all about this bleeding heart type uh, messaging here. He says, but the progressives and the left have used bleeding heart sympathies forever. And all it's done is boxed you into a corner and you've got nothing accomplished. And, you know, it hurts. It sucks to say out loud, but no lies detected, right? A whole lot of, I see a lot of activists when they go on these shows and I don't know why, but they get selected to be on panels constantly to talk about this stuff. And they have absolutely no substance to their message at all. It's just a bunch of feelings and emotions and, you know, these ideas. And they're all ideas that we support and share. The problem is, is not preaching to the converted, the people that already know this stuff and are already on board. 
the problem is is that we are like more rare than whatever come up with it right we are we are a very very small community of people that has a clue about a lot of this stuff so that means that in order to have any of these great uh policy proposals and not even policy proposals these are kind of uh guideposts if you will right i wish i could make this larger but i can't um but suffice it to say you can find this on harvey k's wall and if you'll notice down at the very bottom right of that graphic it says real progressives and that's because uh jules alberting who is our chief operating officer she went ahead and created this for harvey based off harvey and allen based off of their uh writing and this is what they said all right so anyway let's get back to it so Warren says, basically, you need to be teaching folks and explaining to folks and getting them engaged on modern monetary theory and understanding monetary operations, because you've never lacked for ideas. Ideas have never been the progressives weak suit. It's always been we're too stupid, quite frankly, and uneducated to answer the question, how are you going to pay for it? And you see this by people who probably astrophysicists and freaking teachers and you know engineers of all varieties you ask them how they're going to pay for something they always talk about taxes they always start digging into the tax barrel to figure out where they're going to find the money okay so all of harvey k's ideas there in that bill of rights this this concept of the bill of rights anyway okay are, are really really fantastic ideas um, Harvey K. and Alan uh, Minsky also in one of their articles on common dreams actually map legislation that has currently been pushed forward by folks like AOC, Markey, others um, that address each of these items. Now, the problem has been from day one. I'm going to give a little bit of a history lesson from what real progressives did. And then we'll start to see why what Warren is saying and what Harvey are saying are kind of like the dark and light crystal. We got to bring the two pieces of the crystal together to make a whole. Okay. Going back to 2015, uh, when Bernie Sanders was first starting to flirt with running, he was actually 2014, but 2015 for sure, when he started really running for president the first time and getting his staff together and talking in front of 12 people at some fairground and so forth. Uh, had all these fantastic ideas. And back then he was willing to name names. He was willing to call out Wall Street. He was saying things that many of us had thought, felt like he was really, really piggybacking off of Occupy Wall Street. But when it came time for Bernie Sanders to actually discuss in group settings how he was going to pay for these remarkable, remarkable plans, Bernie kept getting spun around the axle. He could not answer the question, how are you going to pay for it? And he would stutter and stammer. And you could almost envision a, a very distressed and sort of sad and heavy-hearted Stephanie Kelton, who had been his economic advisor, sitting there kind of doing one of these numbers as he's talking about, we're going to raise taxes to pay for this, and we're going to raise taxes to pay for that. You could see in your mind's eye anyway, a, a very despondent, Stephanie, as she had probably been in his ear a thousand times, had been in front of Congress, had talked to countless people about how to pay for it, and Bernie still wasn't saying what she had said. Well, you've still got rank-and-file Democrats to this day, including Bernie Sanders, putting forward raising FICA, the FICA tax, which is the most regressive tax there is, raising up FICA one more time to quote-unquote pay for Social Security. Again, we know Social Security is self-funding because it's part of the federal government. The issue is the Social Security law actually is written to give authority to a spreadsheet, which makes no sense. Basically, the Social Security trust fund is nothing more than a spreadsheet. There is no money in it. It's not like something you can dig out and rob or anything like that. That's why when you hear typical rank-and-file Democrats talk about raiding Social Security and Republicans, blah, 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 it's not true, right? See, these are our friends. These are our allies. These are the people that are supposed to be taking us out to give us this fantastic 21st century Bill of Rights, okay? But obviously, 
They don't know anything about economics. So you have a Green New Deal. They have no idea how to answer it. You got Elizabeth Warren running around telling people they're going to finance it by selling green energy around the world. I mean, this is the neoliberal mindset, and this is what most of these folks are under. So Warren is saying, listen, we've tried it your way. We've tried it with all these great messages and these clicky titles and all the phone banking for Bernie, kind of phone banking for ideas and so forth. Why don't we incorporate this economics thing? And, and the truth of the matter is, is that economics, most people skipped in high school. Most people skipped in college. Most people, when they see a post about economics, they skip right by it. When you see a live stream, unless it's talking about shit coin, people skip right by it. Okay. So ultimately, you've got a very, very low take rate on understanding federal finance. People are absolutely hell bent that the nation is broke, that the nation requires taxes to fund spending and so forth. And they cannot get past this. If you go by that thinking, you are automatically playing in the Republican sweet spot. You're already in the austerian sweet spot where they believe you've got to raise taxes to pay for things. Now, all any Republican ever has to do to kill any one of these things is simply run around and say, they're going to raise your taxes to pay for X, Y, Z. That's it. That's it. That's the end of the story. And it will win because there's enough people out there that don't understand good and bad guys, if you will. And I really, honestly, let me just say this. I don't know that there is as many bad guys out there as there are misled, ignorant people, okay? But you have this great 21st century Bill of Rights. You are not going to get anywhere with that if you can't start messaging how we can do everything we need to do because the country creates its own currency. If you can't say that very authoritatively in public places within your organizing groups, you're screwed. Because otherwise, this whole thing right here simply gives you a bunch of false promises. It gives you a bunch of neat ideas, ideas that people will get excited about. But when push comes to shove, they'll just simply get angry that so-and-so didn't pass a bill or so-and-so didn't vote for it or whatever. Okay, but I just gotta tell you, it just you know, this, yeah, exactly. They'll just answer, we'll tax the billionaires, right? Well, as you know, Bernie Sanders spent a lot of his time talking about a Wall Street speculation tax, right? And his Wall Street speculation tax was one of these secret gems. The purpose of the Wall Street speculation tax was simply to curb high-speed trading, okay? It was to curb a behavior. So whenever you fund a program based on a tax, and that tax is based on curbing a behavior. If that behavior is curbed, the tax revenue reduces. So you automatically end up killing your own program if you actually believe the taxes fund spending. On the flip side, if you go to tax billionaires to pay for these programs, okay, if you try to do that, then the idea here is you need them to stay billionaires to fund your programs. Otherwise, if they don't, aren't billionaires anymore to fund your programs, how are you going to fund your programs? And now your programs die again. So we've already died twice now based on Pagovian taxes, which are behavioral modification syntaxes, trying to pretend like they're paying for stuff. And the other one that we've lost on is just simply telling people we're going to raise taxes to pay for things. And lo and behold, you know, the Republicans ring the bell. They're raising taxes on you and it's done. And then the real big thing, once again, is simply understanding that what you tax, you legitimize. And what you tax and claim you're taxing for funding purposes must stay in place or expand for the program to survive. Otherwise, it dies. Do you understand? This is why this shit is so important to understand. And this is why when you think about a 21st century Bill of Rights or you think about a Green New Deal, or you think about any of these major initiatives that we talk about trying to achieve. If you don't understand the pay-fors, if you don't understand how this works, all of this organizing ends up just being a lot of bitter feelings, a lot of painful feelings, a lot of depression and, and missed opportunities and 
oh my God, whatever can we do to change this? So these two worlds collide. This MMT world collides with this, I'm a progressive and I only care about policy. I don't really want to know about economics. But when those two clash, instead of seeing the economics people as their friends, as the people that are helping guide them through this process, the politicos, the people that just want to have the programs and don't want to know the econ, get really butthurt and angry typically because you're telling them no to something that they don't understand. And because they don't understand, they naturally can't comprehend how you understand. How could you understand if they don't understand, right? Who cares if you put thousands of hours in learning this stuff and they've never put five minutes in? We're all equal, right? Everybody knows the same amount of shit, right? Wrong. And so because they're starting from a position of defensiveness, because they're starting from a position of, you know, fear and, you know, when you don't understand something, you got to, there's a lot of feeling about puffing up to, to hide that you're ignorant about something. Because, you know, let's be fair. Most people are very nice about this stuff. I know I'm at a point now where I just blow up at people half the time because I'm so tired of spending thousands of hours doing this, having them spend precisely zero hours and coming at me head on like I don't know my ass from my elbow. I don't have a lot of tolerance for that. If that's a character flaw, fuck it, we're all human, right? There's my character flaw, one of many. Um, but the truth is, is that as you look at this, we can't do any of these things. And this is why the MMT community has largely been organizing to try to teach people economics, to teach them to understand how to make these things happen, because we've got to get beyond the converted. We've got to get out there to those Bernie Krats that reflexively point to Bernie Sanders' website and say, well, Bernie says he's going to raise taxes here, there, and the other, and uh, so that's how we're going to pay for these things. Reflexively, ignorantly, unthinkingly, almost Pavlovian, they just sit there and point to Bernie's website. And we're at a point now where that's not good enough. That's simply not good enough. And if you don't understand why that is, let me, let me take a pause for a second. On Twitter, you will see countless of your friends, countless people that consider themselves to be extremely in the know, brilliant people. And they will tell you straight up, the reason we can't afford free college, the reason we can't afford uh, student debt elimination, the reason we can't is because Biden's spending 50, million on, uh, 50 billion on Ukraine, or because the military industrial complex gets all the money, or because uh, you know, we're subsidizing fossil fuels, or because we're giving money to Israel, or, or, or. There's always some reason why we can't have good schools, we can't have food. We can't have health care, et cetera. And ultimately, you come down and you realize that that's a lie. We can have it. The money, this is a very simple, quick statement. The United States never lacks for money. We create money when we spend, okay? So I would like Harvey K to know that the United States government, by Congress, Article 1, Section 8, gives Congress alone the power to spend. Okay. Taxes literally do not fund spending in a fiat economy, in a fiat system. It does not. Those taxes are purged, they're deleted, they're gotten rid of. So when you talk about raising taxes to pay for Social Security, FICA, raising taxes to pay for a Green New Deal, raising taxes to pay for Medicare for all, you are completely missing the point and you're setting up a secondary fight with Republicans and conservative Democrats. You're immediately setting up a fight right then and there for how we're going to get those tax dollars to pay for these programs. That's, that's it. It starts right there. Now, all of a sudden, instead of fighting for health care, you're fighting a tax battle that doesn't need to be fought. Now, instead of fighting for getting rid of student debt, you're fighting another tax battle. You're explaining to these people who genuinely believe, genuinely believe that they are. Um, you know, willing to pay more for their neighbor to have health care and that they don't want their hard-earned tax dollars to pay for something else or whatever. These are very real thoughts in their head. So overcoming that means that you can't get in there with this moralization of a 21st century 
uh, you know, bill of rights without the how you're going to pay for it. Because otherwise, it just sounds like an empty promise once again, right? I mean, it's an empty promise that progressives advance, especially most of the people that we voted for. Most of the people that we've supported have been too cowardly and ignorant to actually speak this truth. So you don't have the air cover from a bunch of politicians that these people live and die for, okay? They live and die. To, if the if AOC says something, they parrot what AOC says. If Rashida Tlaib says something, they parrot what she says. If Ilian Omar says something, they parrot what she says. If Bernie says, they parrot. Ro Khanna, they parrot, okay? They don't know how to see through this thing that is an understanding of how federal finance works. The nation creates its own courtesy. currency, Article 1, Section 8. The states cannot create their own currency. That right there is Article 1, Section 10, period. And so, CeeLo, let's go ahead and show your comment here real quick. He says, I'm ignorant of MMT. If taxing billionaires doesn't do anything to billionaires, how do we as a society deal with these billionaires? How do we make them not billionaires? Great question. Not what I'm talking about, but let's talk about this for a second, because this is the kind of stuff that you're going to be dealt with out there in the real world where you're trying to debate these issues and try to get people to buy into these big programs, okay? So let's talk about this. If you have to tax away a lot of wealth, okay, you've already done something incorrectly in your program structure, right? If if you have to chase and claw back tax dollars, you've already created a problem. You need to do something on the front end to prevent wealth accumulation to begin with, all right? It's not that we don't want people, everybody wants to save money at some level, but once you get to that billionaire class, it's ridiculous. And there's no way you became a billionaire doing the right thing, okay? You stepped on people, you swallowed people up, you abused people, you used the shit out of people, you stole their labor, on and on and on and on and on, okay? That said, taxing away their money, taxing, it literally deletes currency. So if you take away millions from billionaires, it's not funding the poor, but it does do a couple of very important things. Number one, it's very important that you the nation can enforce a tax. By enforcing a tax, that is what keeps the currency valuable, if you will. That's the, the imposition of the tax is what prov- makes it so that you must have U.S. dollars, okay? However, however, those U.S. dollars do not get respent. Those U.S. dollars are deleted. They're doing the tax deal because they need a way of purging money that has already been spent into the economy. They don't recycle the dollars. They're deleted. They're shredded. They're they're destroyed upon receipt. Okay? So when Congress would spend uh, money into the economy, I'll just use this card here. Let's see, on one side of the ledger, they would put a reserve. So if they spent $10 million into the economy over here, they would put a reserve amount of $10 million. Then over here would be the check that they spent to wherever, if it was to Halliburton, Boeing, all the military industrial complex, that amount would go over here. Okay, so this is the spent money into, or excuse me, spent into the economy. This right here is a reserve, which is a placeholder inside the banking system. So it's just, if you think about it, it's double entry accounting. Okay, nothing more than that. When these you receive money in as a tax, it wipes away this reserve balance up here and it makes it to zero. Once you start taxing, it literally purges reserves that have been used as placeholders when the money is spent into the economy. If that makes any sense at all, Congress spends money into the economy, then it taxes it away so that you're never just printing money. It's always a circuit. New money is spent in, old money is deleted and destroyed. In, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. Money is not permanent, it's temporary, okay? So when they spend it into existence, be prepared for somebody to tax it out. If you stop taxing it out and all you did was let money just keep piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, okay? You probably run into some serious problems, but not just because of printing money, you would run into problems because people like myself and maybe like you, I don't know if you're in a bad way like I am, but guys like me have horrible mouth problems, like dental work that needs to be done. Probably $10,000 worth of dental work that I need to do. I just don't have the money for. 
But if you gave me $20,000 and I could fix problems in my house and I could go off and get my teeth fixed, I would do it in a minute. Now, what happens though, if instead of it just being you know, a million people that have the means to go do things, all of a sudden you have 350 million people that have the means to do things. What do you think we might run into a problem with? Do you think we'd run into a problem with not having the money? It's not the money that's the problem. The problem is you may not have enough dentists to solve everyone's oral surgery problems, not in a timely manner. Or you may not have enough houses now that everybody has the money to buy a house. You may not have enough houses out there to accommodate all the purchasing desires of economy. So you're talking exactly, you're talking about the real resources. The money is irrelevant and it always has been irrelevant, okay? But they've created a situation where rank and file people, regular voters believe just like their household budget analogy that that money, okay, it, it, it has to come from somewhere and you can run out of it. Your bank account says zero, you can't create that, right? So now what do you got? This is the problem with the Bernie Sanders method of talking about the economy because he's always talking about, we're going to tax Wall Street. We're going to tax the billionaires. Well, we should do that because Pagovian, meaning sin taxes, meaning behavior modification taxes, okay? If we want to change the way society behaves, if we want to stop the use of fossil fuels, if we want to stop investing in fracking, or we want to stop doing what we might tax cigarettes, let's say huge, like to make it so expensive, nobody wants cigarettes, right? That's a Pagovian tax. But what, what is the purpose there? Is the purpose to raise revenue by taxing cigarettes? No. The purpose of taxing cigarettes is to stop a health concern from occurring. <clears throat> so what they're doing is they're doing a behavior modification tax. But the, if you're trying to fund a program based on a tax that's meant to curb a behavior, meaning stop it or slow it or make it not happen, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? So the idea here of taxing millionaires and billionaires should always be separate and different than funding programs, okay? You want to have a tax policy conversation, have a tax policy conversation. Taxes should not be tied to programs in terms of how we're going to pay for it. All spending is new money, so there's never an issue of where we're going to find the money. It's always new money, always new money, okay? And that includes Social Security. So I'm going to hide this comment. I hope I answered that question. The issue with taxing billionaires is not whether or not it hurts them or not. We need to tax billionaires because they're too damn rich and they keep buying up our democracy. But we don't need to tax them to pay for programs. So what we end up doing is we end up fighting a two-headed war that we don't need to fight in pursuit of tax dollars that don't need to be fought for because those tax dollars are deleted. So fighting to pay for a program with taxes is like shooting yourself in the junk. Stupid. Okay. So let's get back to it. So Warren Mosler, father of modern monetary theory, coming in to talk to Harvey K, historian. They're not fighting or anything. I shouldn't do fists, but I'm just letting you know. Worlds collide, right? The idea of a guy like Harvey K, who's got a tremendous platform, everybody loves Harvey. Nobody doesn't like Harvey K. He's a very engaging storyteller. His perspective is not wrong. His perspective is we need a whole lot less theory and we need storytellers. We need people that can tell compelling stories to make, to make these, uh, statements to people in ways that they understand, okay, to, that connects them to things that matter in their life, okay? This is very, very true, but it's not always going to be the same story for every person. Framing is very important. See, people, a lot of people don't understand this, <clears throat> but a guy like me, very, very hard-headed, former drunk, tough guy, fighter, jackass guy, kind of guy, right? You know, I, I'm not that way anymore, but back in the day, right, a guy like me had to be kicked in the head to have that wake-up call. I didn't do well with, you know, cuddles and smooth and hugging and lovey stuff, okay? I needed to be told, Jesus Christ, if we don't get this right, people are going to die. It was when that moment happened, that 
bam happened that I was like, oh shit, you're right. Holy crap. People are dying as a result of this worthless ignorance about macroeconomics. And so that got me going years ago, years and years ago. That was enough to get me going. Made me fucking hungry as hell to learn every bit of this stuff because I started realizing that this very benign discussion about taxes, paying for things was always mocked. I mean, when I was a little boy, they would talk about tax and spend liberals. What the hell is a tax and spend liberal, right? Well, unfortunately, the Democratic Party is the party of austerity. Okay. It's a party that literally thinks that they have got to reduce the deficit, that they've got to cut spending, that they've got to be the fiscally responsible, blah, blah, blah. But when the Republicans get in there, the minute the Republicans get in there, they cut taxes, they blow up the deficit for the rich. But you never see anyone with the courage of their convictions to blow up the deficit for Main Street Jane and Joe six-pack who need things like their teeth fixed and college paid for, et cetera. <clears throat> so with that in mind, how do you bridge the gap between people? Like, for example, with the Medicare for All, March for Medicare for All, we're, we're very closely tied with the March for Medicare for All people. And there's a few of them in there that genuinely understand the vitality, the vitalness of modern monetary theory and how you would deal with Medicare for all, for example. If you're trying to do it state by state, every single state has to become its own taxing authority, which it is. Every single state then has to find a way for its own citizens to fund Medicare for all. It's got to have its own bill. And, and what happens if we have a pandemic? States can't create currency, so the states are fucked, all right? It's, and we, what, what about a pandemic? We've never been through one of them, have we? Hmm. With, a, with a, uh, climate change going out of control, things aren't melting around here, are they? Nah. There's no chance of ancient viruses coming out of the permafrost, is there? Nah, probably not. <clears throat> anyway, but at the federal level, something radically different happens, right? When you talk about actually funding Medicare for all, you're literally talking about getting rid of private insurance. That's a lot of jobs, a lot of bad jobs, a lot of shitty jobs, a lot of jobs that are there simply to prevent you from getting your teeth fixed or your, you know, other ailments fixed. Okay. They're literally there to deny you benefits. But once you get rid of all those jobs, you've got a lean, mean, clean government backed. In other words, if there are cost hikes or anything else, the government would pay for all of them. But something crazy happened in what I just said. Medicare for all has a deflationary bias, meaning instead of being inflationary, raising prices because of spending and printing money, right? Stupid. It instead, because you've got rid of a lot of commerce there. It's a lot of money that changes hands and denying service too. There is a huge amount, huge amount of issues there that revolve around how healthcare is delivered because once you eliminate all the bullshit, a lot of economic activity stops. A lot of jobs are lost. So that naturally starts deflating because now you've got an unemployment issue. Now you've got a number of things. So if you think about this, state-based has to raise taxes, each state separately fighting for their own thing and their own borders. At nationally, you actually cut taxes. Doesn't make sense, does it? How in the world are you going to pay for it, Bernie, if you got to cut taxes? Something's strange here, right? Something's strange. No, you're cutting taxes because taxes allow cutting, reducing taxes allows more money in the economy to be spent by people who need it to allow demand to be realized. And when you have people have money, this is how jobs are created in the private sector. All right. In the private sector, it's either subsidized by a government program or somehow or another, it's brought about by buying and selling of goods and services. All right. Well, you don't have that problem in a publicly sponsored thing. They don't have a profit motive of any of that. 
So all the extra overhead for advertising is gone. All of the extras that go into healthcare, your Affleck commercials, all the other gone. Why? Who needs them, right? You no need. It's covered. And if it costs more to get a certain surgery, doesn't matter. The government covers the cost overruns. You have a certain amount you pay. And you shouldn't have to pay anything, quite frankly. Okay. But my point I'm making here is, is that what a radical difference. Now, have that conversation with somebody in the street. Just walk to, up to them, go out your front door and walk up and start talking to somebody about what I just said. Their fucking head's going to explode. Their eyes are going to bug out. They're going to be like, you're full of shit. Open up an economic textbook. You don't know what you're talking about. Crack the spine of an econ textbook. Some smarmy, idiotic, ridiculous comment, right? That's what they're going to do. Same and, and again, same thing with Social Security as well. Forever, the Republicans have been trying to privatize Social Security. Well, naturally, so is Hillary Clinton. I said Republicans. You, you get the point. Corporate Democrats, Biden, the like. They would like very much to privatize Social Security. But why is that? Because they claim Social Security is going to go broke. Well, why is that? Because FDR, in a means of trying to get Social Security passed, okay, tied it to a trust fund. Well, this trust fund is just a spreadsheet. It's a numerator. You pay into it. It marks down you paid. But then it deletes those dollars just like any other federal tax. Okay, when they spend your Social Security checks into existence, that's brand new money. That's not some old crumpled up dollar bill from granny. That's new money, new money into the economy. And so Paul Ryan and Alan Greenspan sparred about this in front of Congress on national television. And, you know, Paul Ryan asked Alan Greenspan point blank. He's like, hey, listen, you know, what if we go and privatize, uh, you know, healthcare. I mean, uh, healthcare, but uh, Social Security. What if we gave people uh, accounts at Wall Street, basically, so that they would be able to uh, private uh, accounts, retirement savings accounts? Wouldn't that make it more solvent? Paul Ryan didn't know what hit him. Alan Greenspan, King neoliberal, had a moment of truth, and he told him point blank, nope. Making it private wouldn't change the affordability in any way, shape, or form. Bottom line is there's nothing preventing us from spending as much money into the economy as we want to spend. The question is, can we create an economy where the real resources, the real goods and services are available for purchase? Okay, are they there? Or are you going to end up with a year wait because there's just not enough doctors, lawyers? I always threw lawyers in there for some reason. I don't know why. God, I hate that. Anyway, doctors, nurses, you know, x-ray techs, whatever. So because FDR made a political calculation when he made this choice, because he knew that if you were having skin in the game, right, the skin in the game thing, right, you have skin in the game that you're not going to want to get rid of it. And sure enough, nobody really wants to get rid of Social Security. I mean, there's some assholes out there that want to privatize because they think they can do a better job by investing it themselves, whatever. The point I'm making here is, is that most people would lose their ass just like they did with shitcoin and everything else. Okay. And they know this, but this is an opportunity for them and their Wall Street friends to make more money by privatizing a social public service like Social Security. But because Bernie Sanders has lacked the ability or willingness to speak truth on the subject of economics, it would rather raise the FICA up higher to try to cover any offsetting issues of affordability or whether it would become insolvent. Instead of telling the truth and ending the charade about this fake trust fund, Bernie played into it because politically speaking, politics are what they're dealing with. So how do you deal with that? Warren Mosler saying, <clears throat> tell the truth. Bernie Sanders saying, we're going to raise FICA. We're going to do a millionaire tax, billionaire tax. Good, do a billionaire tax, but please don't tie it to funding something. Don't raise FICA. Eliminate FICA. T tell the truth, man. This is a public service. The government is fully funding. No FICA dollars required. If we ended the FICA tax, 
Imagine, look at your paycheck sometime. If they wiped away FICA instead of making it higher, imagine having all your FICA dollars back into your daily pay to pay for groceries or to pay for additional cost and gas for maybe going to a family dinner sometime or maybe going on a family vacation for rest and relaxation or even just pocketing some money and, and saving for a rainy day, okay? These are things that are really, really important to people. So the politics are one thing, the economics are the other, but instead of thinking them as separate, they need to become one. We need to integrate policy discussions. We need to integrate activism. We need to integrate all these things so that we have a coherent message for a 21st century Bill of Rights, again, right here. And we need to be able to have on top of that, we need to be able to have the ability to say, the only thing that's limiting us is our imagination. We have the endless amount of money to do whatever we need as a nation. We create it out of thin air every time Congress spends. So there's absolutely no reason we can't do a Green New Deal. There's no financial reason we can't do a Green New Deal. There may be a technological reason we can't do a Green New Deal, but I'm pretty sure even that is a lie now at this point. We can do everything that we claimed we could do, and then some, a lot more, way more, way, way more. We could create a freaking NASA of the ocean underground. We could create underwater cities if we wanted to. We could colonize the moon if we had their technical resource. It's not an issue of money. Okay. Most of Elon Musk's money that he used for all of his big ideas, Tesla, you name it. All of this comes from federal money. He's gotten more federal subsidization to make these things than anything. Why? Because this is the public-private partnership, the public-private partnership that neoliberals favor. Instead of being able to make it publicly owned, investing in NASA, publicly owned, investing in the post office, publicly owned, making sure that we get rid of private property, seizing the means of production, right? All these great things. The fact is on a more fundamental level, on a simple level with just regular activists, they need to understand the country creates currency every time it's spent. So I don't know, I don't know how to make the world see the value in each other, right? Because I know as an MMTer, I am about sick to death of moralizations. I don't want to hear healthcare should be a right. Fucking A, it should be a right. No, shut up and make it a right. Make it fucking happen, right? Make it happen. I don't want to hear that it should be a right. You know what I mean? I want to know how you're going to do it. And if you're afraid and you're mealy mouth and you're unwilling to tell the truth about federal finance, you're no useful. You, there's no use and value to your political activism. Because the minute you get up on stage and you're Bernie Sanders and you have Hillary Clinton laughing and cackling at you of how you're going to pay for it, the whole thing collapses. And then everybody, look how many people got all teary-eyed, checked out, quit, stopped being activists, stopped doing anything useful, just vanished because they got their feelings hurt because they didn't see any hope, blah, blah, blah. Happens all the time. So every time you do one of these kinds of bold, progressive moves, but you don't have the pay for question correct, you are setting up more than just a miss on the, the legislation. You're also setting up a miss for all of those activists that are not in the know about economics, that don't understand this stuff, that are fighting tooth and nail for these great programs, but they don't have a clue and they're still sitting there fapping about raising taxes to pay for things. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a great, I, I love that. I think that's a fantastic. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think it's great. How cool would it be for a Bernie type to run a national campaign on the idea of ending FICA? What a great lead into MMT. Yes. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I'm talking about right there. Love that to death. Now we'll tell you something else too. If you think about this, each one of these programs, from whether it be uh, you know abortion, 
because that's here and now, right? Whether it be dealing with abortion or whether it be dealing with uh, drug treatment facilities instead of jails, because we're willing to throw billions of dollars at jails. The idea of throwing money at treatment, now they'd rather privatize that, make you pay for it, right? They want to they wanna make life as hard as they can for you and I, and there's a reason for that, and it's not financial, ironically. Okay, you ready for this? Do you know why they want us to be on the hook for all these things? If you and I are comfortable, if we have our ducks in a row and we're relaxing, there's no amount of coercion that a business can do to make us get up off our asses and do something that we don't want to do, period. But if you know that you can't get your ascending aortic aneurysm repaired because you don't have health care and the only way for you to get health care is either have a job or whatever then they're going to keep that as a very expensive item so that you have to do something to get it and that's how they keep control over the working class that's how we've gotten this open air plantation okay open air prison, open air plantation, that we're all sort of just completely unaware of the fact that we are basically chattel slaves in our own right right now. We are controlled by big business. We're not controlled by politicians. We're controlled by their handlers, the lobbyists, the people that want that control. And so with all that said, I'm telling you right now that the thought processes of MMT most people stop short and they just go, oh, they're just saying you could deficit spend. Boy, oh boy, if you didn't hear what I just said, I haven't even scratched the surface. on How are you going to pay for a federal job guarantee? Where's the money going to come from to do a national federal job guarantee? Where's the money going to come from to renovate and retrofit every smokestack for the industrial uh, production in this nation now that we're bringing supply chains locally. How are we going to create green factories in this new world? Where's the money going to come from? Are you going to tell me that we're going to allow com companies to do dirty production because we don't want to subsidize greening those environments and saving us from extinction? This is another one of those stupid things that's hell-bent and blocked because of a lack of understanding of how currency operates. Okay. Now, this, if you could clearly see what I'm saying, is so important to understand that we're fighting more fake battles with Republicans, fighting more fake battles with corporate Democrats, fighting more fake battles with rank and file people than we ever had to do. You understand what I'm saying? And by the way, Dre, me and you right there, I'm so with you. I, I, one of these days I'll explain how bad that is. Actually, I've done it a hundred times, so I probably have it out there. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're all, we're all being squashed and stepped on. Some of us don't feel it as much as others do, but we all are. And it's time for us as the 99% to marry the OWS 99% with a 21st century bill of rights, with union push for organizing and labor. And with the MMT side to provide that great policy space and understanding of the pay ports because MMTers are big time open to the most robust public purpose you've ever seen. The issue is, is that most business people, most of the people you and I have to convince, and we don't convince them by screaming and yelling at them, blah, blah, blah. However, there are people that have that wake-up call from screaming and yelling. And that is a, a, uh, a comment that I was trying to make a while ago that I got sidetracked on that I want to come back to momentarily. Former libertarian, MBA, Master of Business Administration and Master of Science guy right here, multiple, multiple uh, certifications, project management, ITIL, Scrum Master, you name it, lots and lots of certs. Uh, certificate, graduate certificate, uh, strategic management of technology and innovation. Got a boatload of this stuff, right? However, however, in the end, in the end, guys like me, okay, think that we know 
stuff when we don't know MMT because we've been to college, we have credentials, we have papers hanging on the wall. Everybody, we have credentials, credentialism, right? Fact is, I had to unlearn almost all the economics I learned in grad school, both gra two grad degrees, folks. Okay. I'm, I'm, I even started my PhD. It's not like I'm suffering from a lack of education. The issue was I was suffering from a lack of the right education. So this MMT angle here, okay, you've got to present these feel-good stories to guys that are sitting in the C-suite somewhere, that are sitting there making good money, that have a great stock portfolio, and you've got to convince them that this is not going to impact, or this is not a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how right you are. If you don't have the votes for it, if you don't have a popular movement to make politicians support it, you don't have anything, okay? So all this great ideas that the MMT community has, if we can't get this out to people and we can't marry that with a popular movement like this 21st century Bill of Rights, if we can't pull that together, we don't stand a chance. They, they've got it like up to a certain point. They get to that point and somebody asks them how they're going to pay for it, the whole deck of cards falls apart. The MMT community has all the right answers. The problem is convincing people that they're right because everybody thinks they know everything, but they don't know shit. They don't know Jack, and it's embarrassing to hear them try and rant and rave and talk about, well, you know, if we didn't pay Saddam much for the military, we could afford to do No, we could afford it even paying for the military. We could, we could literally build a nuclear bomb seven times a day, all day long, and still never run out of money. Now, we might run out of real resources, but we would never run out of money, ever, okay? So whatever's for sale in U.S. dollars, our government can pay for and buy without any problem whatsoever, except for needing to get a bill passed in Congress, okay? Two very important points from our, our uh, United States Constitution to have at the tip of your tongue right there at the tip of your fingers at all times. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution gives Congress the power to tax and to, uh, to spend. They give them the power of the purse, Article 1, Section 8. Another one, because there's a lot of folks out there that will get angry at you like you're the enemy, like you're the devil for saying this stuff, okay? The fact is, it's just because they didn't know it, and so they're butthurt, right? But the fact is, states based on Article 1, Section 10, are not able to create currency. So they absolutely are out of the picture. They can't do this stuff, okay? So one of the other things, we talked about ending FICA. What if we do a huge push for ending all unfunded mandates for the states, okay? End all unfunded mandates, federal mandates that the states are left to bear. Imagine how flush states would be and how much more flexibility states would have if they were not constantly paying for unfunded federal mandates. I use this example a lot because it's important. As a progressive, I expect each and every one of you to give a shit about climate crisis. If you don't, I can't imagine you're a leftist in any way, shape, or form, okay? But climate crisis is huge, all right? With that in mind, if it's huge, we've been told by the IPCC that we've got eight years left. This was 12 years and originally four years ago, eight years. You get the point. And I oftentimes say it's not eight years to build a third party. It's not eight years to champion a three-time loser and finally get them to get elected the fourth time. This is to actually have a plan in place, actively mitigating carbon footprint and clawing back carbon from the atmosphere that's already out there. Not only do we got to get to net zero emissions, but we've also got to decarb, decarb, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know why I'm smiling, decarb the atmosphere, decarbonize the atmosphere as well, because we've got major, major problems coming down the pipe. If you're afraid that we can't afford to do a Green New Deal, because where's the money going to come from? We're dead. You understand this is a life and death deal? If you're saying, where are we going to get the money from to handle life-saving medical? Where, wh what's the deal? Right there. Boom. Somebody's dying. 
Someone is dying because we claim we didn't have the money to provide health care. It's a lie. You know it's a lie now. You've heard it. You know it. It's true. It's a lie. These folks are killing people. It's murder. Okay? Now, when people hear me say that, they don't have any idea of all the things we just talked about for the last, I don't know, what, 50 minutes. So when I call somebody a murderer, you know, this is the kind of reaction I get. Okay? This is the kind of reaction I get. That who is Steve to say it's murder? It might be, it might be uh uh, I don't know. It's not murder. It can't be murder. You know, you're not responsible, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, gotta make it stick. This is important shit. It doesn't just happen. People don't get cozied into this understanding. You've got to have the cacophony wake-up call. Many of us do. I know I did. And I know many of the people that don't understand the stuff that I'm saying are the type of people that need a two by four upside their head to have their wake up call. But there's this like feckless hand. Let me shake your hand. It's like shake, shake, shake. Uh, shake. They don't have that firm shake. There's nothing. It's, shake. That kind of feckless kind of bullshit, right? Where they want to tiptoe in the tulips and there are people out there that want to hear about tip, tiptoeing through the tulips. They want to have that gentle, sweet whispers in their ear. But guys like me, I may have wanted a whisper, but I needed a kick in the ass, okay? And that kick in the ass was reality. That was my world collapsing around me. And when that happened, I became a believer, and I haven't stopped for 15 years talking about this, okay? There's a lot of newcomers out there that want to second guess my approach and my style. The fact is, is that for millions of people, they heard about MMT through our work at Real Progressives on Facebook before they choked us off. And they heard about it with dropping the elbow of truth and all these other things that some whiners, the little, let's shake hands very gently. Those folks, they didn't like the style. They didn't like the style. So they got hellbent and whiny and started smear campaigns, et cetera. But that is exactly the point of when worlds collide. If we don't find a way to indoctrinate and get folks to understand and comprehend this stuff, they're never going to be able to achieve any of these policy goals or agendas. And so we desperately need the MMT community to stop being so esoteric, to stop being in the weeds, to stop using all this language that rank and file people don't use on one hand. And on the other hand, we need to make sure that the people that want all these great policies understand how the fuck to pay for it and how to explain how to pay for it. The fact is, Congress passes a bill. They sign it off. They pass it to the president. President signs it. There's the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve keystrokes deposits into the Treasury's accounts. Treasury then spends them wherever they're writing checks to, whatever the fucking bill called for. That's how money is spent into the economy. They didn't go looking, hey, do we have enough tax dollars over there? Nope. Imagine us being at war, if you will, running around, fighting, and all of a sudden you're like, shit, I'm out of hand grenades. Guys, guys, I need grenades. They're like, hold on, I called Washington. Washington says we're out of tax dollars. We don't have any more grenades, Grumbine. Fuck. Fuck. You can almost hear me on, uh, what's, what's a dude's name from, uh, uh, lasso, Ted Lasso, the guy, fuck. <laughs> anyway, I just want you guys to realize how vital this is. If you think what I'm saying is wrong, just trust me when I say this. 15 years of experience doing this stuff day in and day out. And I'm looking at the MMT community and they are attracting people in swarms. Stephanie Kelton's book, The Deficit Myth, has done great things. But there's a huge amount of people out there that are looking for brass tacks and they want to hear the real goods. And that means that we need to be able to provide that to them to make a dent. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and say I have hours more of this to talk about, but I don't have hours left to go because I have one o'clock on my count clock here. That means I've got to get back to work. So with that, 
Thank you guys for riding with me. I hope this in, uh, video was informative. Please like and subscribe. And also please become a donor, if you will. We are a 501c3 and a 501c4, respectively. Real progress in action right here. Our political wing, the 501c4, and real progressives, the 501c3. We need your help. Please, please, please follow us. Please check out my podcast, Macro and Cheese, on our website, realprogressives.org. And with that, I am The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.